Welcome to Apocalypse, The Coming Judgment, Episode 8 by Dennis LaRavia. In this episode, the seven judgment trumpets and the two witnesses will be discussed. Please stay tuned to the end of the podcast to find out more on how to download a listening app. Apocalypse, the coming judgment, and we're going to start with chapter 10 in Revelation tonight. Uh, This is an exciting passage, and so I'll read that, and then we'll discuss it further. In chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun. His legs were like fiery pillars. And he had a little scroll opened in his hand. He put his right foot on the sea, his left on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. When he cried out, the seven thunders spoke with their voices. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders said and do not write it down. Then the angel that I had been standing that I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. He swore an oath by the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it. There will no longer be an interval of time, but in the days of the sound of the seventh angel, when he will blow his trumpet, then God's hidden plan will be completed as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Now the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take and eat it. It will be bitter in your stomach, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I ate it, my stomach became bitter, and I was told, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. We're going to look at uh, uh, chapter 10 and discuss some of the things that we've already read in the first part of this uh, this episode. And uh, it says, A mighty angel described, and look at the way he was described, came from heaven, he was clothed with a cloud. He had a rainbow on his head. He had a face like the sun. Feet were like pillars of fire. And he held a little book open in his hand. His right foot was on the sea and his left foot on the land. He spoke as the lion roars. And when he spoke, seven thunders uttered their sound. Very interesting. Um, and, of course, it says John was commanded from heaven to not write the things uttered by the seven thunders. Why? Well, we don't know for sure, but it appears that the judgments are so horrific that they didn't want to go into any more detail by the order of God at this point in time. Now, this mighty angel and some writers of other books and so forth have said that this angel, this mighty angel was was Jesus Christ. Well, that's not compatible with the rest of Revelation nor with the scriptures in general. Um. 
we know, of course, because of the he came from heaven and other described descriptions about a rainbow on his head, face like the sun. He was in close proximity to God. So he showed the Shekinah glory, the, the brightness, the whiteness associated with being close to God and a very powerful close figure, but not Jesus Christ. He's still an angel. So um, it says the mighty angel makes a great declaration swore by the God of heaven and all created things, there shall be no more delay. So at this point in time from chapter 10, things move pretty quickly <clears throat> on into the final destruction that occurs during the um, tribulation. Seventh, the seventh angel and his days would finish the mystery of God <clears throat> to confirm and validate the word of God. So let's look at... um some scriptural support, and I'm going to give you several scriptures to write down and look at this. Ezekiel 1, 26 through 28, talks about the glory of God in heaven. Matthew 17, verse 2, that is the um, commentary on the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, confirming that Christ is God. In Psalm 95, 5, it Reminds us that God is creator of all. <clears throat> In Matthew 28, 18, it says Jesus Christ has all authority, meaning he has all authority on everything in the universe except God the Father. <clears throat> Psalm 29, verses 3 through 9, God is impotent and creator. Daniel 8, verse 26, and Daniel 12, Verses 4 through 9, Antichrist was prophesied and also the details of the tribulation times. In Exodus 20, verse 11, reminds us again, God is creator, and he established the Sabbath rest. Now, getting back to the mighty angel. Obviously, this is a created being and not Jesus. In the little book, this is the seven-sealed scroll that is a title deed to the earth. So it has seven seals, cannot be altered by anybody but Jesus Christ. It will be fully opened, and all the final judgments will be made visible. Look at the resolve of the angel, this mighty angel. He had feet like pillars. What's a pillar? A big, strong structure. Right foot on the sea and left foot on the land. A, an inference to the fact that Jesus Christ is reclaiming everything on this earth for the glory of God the Father. And there's no delay any longer. Finally, the saints' prayers will be answered by God. And the mysteries of God are finally revealed. <clears throat> now, going on and finishing chapter 10, it says John eats the little book. I don't know how tasty it was, but we're going to find out what, what it says about this. Of course, not literally eating the book, but thinking about what's in it. So we get a voice from the heavens with instructions. John demanded the little book. The mighty angel said, eat it. And it was sweet in the mouth. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen talks about judgment on evil. But it was bitter in the stomach. Well, why? Why the difference? Because it was sweet in the mouth because there's finally judgment upon evil. And I know all of us want to see judgment on evil. 
And so that was very tasty to John. But the bitterness in the stomach refers to the eternal destruction of people who reject Christ. So that's bitter in the sense that we want to see judgment on evil. We hate to see people eternally going to the lake of fire and never having another chance. The uh, inference here also says to John that he must continue to prophesy about people, nations, tongues, and kings. So there's going to be continued prophecy in the rest of the book of Revelation about all the different people, the different nations, and the leaders. And we'll get more in detail on that. And, of course, it says John ate the word, sweet in the mouth, and Ezekiel 2 Verse 8 through 10 talks about that we should obey and read God's word. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, said God's word is powerful against evil. And we already talked about why the bitterness in the stomach. So obviously, that the good Lord does not want us to know any more about the details or he would have allowed John to write about them. So, Think about these things, and we'll uh, come back and read Revelation, at least a portion of Revelation chapter 11, and then discuss that. Let's look at um, chapter 11. It's kind of continuous to what we're talking about, and we're going to get into the two witnesses here. So I'm going to read in chapter 11 of Revelation, verses 1 through 14. And then we'll discuss it. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying and they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of the life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. 
Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. Well, we've read uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. So we're going to discuss the two witnesses, which is a very interesting portion of the tribulation period and also explains kind of what's going on with God giving people a chance to come to repentance one last time. So it says that John was given a measuring rod, uh, a reed, and he was instructed by the angel to rise and measure the temple of God, measure the altar, and measure those who worship there. Notice that they were dressed in sackcloth, indicating penitence, humility, and mourning. Penitence, humility, and mourning because of the terrible wickedness of the world at this time. God's judgment and the desecration of the temple by the Antichrist and the desecration of Jerusalem by the Antichrist. So that's kind of the timing involved in this. John is instructed not to measure the court outside the temple because the Gentiles will trample the holy city. So God is rejecting the unbelieving Gentiles led by the Antichrist who will trample the holy city during this period of time before this happens. So we know that the Antichrist has power to do as he wishes for three and a half years, the last three and a half years of the tribulation. During the last three and a half years, the two witnesses will prophesy with great power. And they are again clothed in sackcloth. The Inference here is the two olive trees and two in lampstands. So we know that the olive trees refers to the fact that olive oil was used uh, in the lampstands, and the lampstands refer to revival and awakening, that God is trying to produce a, an awakening among the people at this point in time. Uh, Joshua and Zerubbabel, uh, preached revival in Israel after the Babylonian captivity. And if you want to go look at that, that let's look at the um, last part of chapter 11 in Revelation, and then we'll discuss that. This is uh, entitled the seventh trumpet, and starting with verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your ser your servants the prophets and saints and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail.
Well, let's discuss um, the last part of chapter 11. And this sort of includes an interlude, which we'll discuss, and the beginning or preparation for the millennial kingdom, which we will discuss in more detail later also. The seventh trumpet uh, says that this is the interlude between the sixth and the seventh trumpet with the emphasis on the revival of Jews in Jerusalem and the preparation for the millennial kingdom. So let's look at some scriptures in this regard. Um, the seventh angel sounded the seventh trumpet, which will include the seventh bowl, final judgments shown in chapter 16, and all of the events leading up to the establishment of the millennial kingdom, which is mentioned in chapter 20, and the coronation of Jesus as king in chapter 19. The kingdoms of this world refers to the kingdom of Satan. Satan is its ruler. And we'll look at some scriptures in just a moment on this. This reality is laid for laid out for us in uh, John twelve thirty one, John fourteen thirty, and John sixteen and eleven. Uh, generally, the human rulers of this world are hostile to Christ, as we see in Psalm two two and Acts four twenty six. So let's look at some of these scriptures. John twelve thirty one, uh, Christ marked the defeat. The cross marked the defeat of Satan. Not victory as Satan thought, Satan was defeated. In John 14, 30, Satan thinks he is winning, but his defeat is guaranteed at the cross. John 16, 11, Satan is already judged. He has no hope except doing more evil. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the world's influence, which is primarily Satan, blinds people to the truth of God. Psalm 2, Verse 2, Satan blinds most of the rulers of earth so that they actually prepare to oppose Christ and say, let's kill the Son of God when he comes back. What a bad idea. In uh, Acts 4.26, uh, the kings of the earth oppose Christ, and of course they're doomed to defeat. The rebellion of the world's leaders will lead to victorious return of the real king, Jesus Christ. He will come to establish his messianic kingdom or millennial kingdom, as noted in Isaiah uh, 2, verses 2 and 3, Daniel 2, verse 44, Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, 18 and 22 and 27, and Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33. His kingdom also belongs to... Uh, God the Father is noted in Daniel chapter 4, verse 3, Daniel chapter 6, verse 26, and 1 Corinthians 15, 24. The scriptures, I think, will help us give some more insight into what's going on here. So let's look at them. Um, we know that the 24 elders represent the church of the living God. And in Revelation 16, 14, it says that deceiving demons will seek to deceive the world's leaders. Revelation 19, verses 17 through 21, talks about the defeat of the Antichrist and Satan's uh, armies. Psalm 2, verses 1 through 9, Christ is the eternal God and King. All who oppose him are doomed to defeat. Wrath is discussed in many areas of the scripture. Isaiah 24, verses 17 through 24, 23, there's a cosmic disruption with fallen angels and fallen men defeated. 
Isaiah chapter 26, verses 20 and 21, Christ's terrible judgment on the rejectors of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 30, verses 27 through 33, large judgment on all pagans, all who reject Christ. Ezekiel 38, verses 16 through 39, um, and um, it talks about the defeat of Antichrist and his armies in detail. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, talks about the destiny of all who oppose Christ, eternal destruction at his second coming. In the final judgment, the dead will be judged, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, and John chapter 5, 25 through 39. Christ is the judge. He will separate all, either sheep or the goats. The sheep are the ones who are saved, and the goats are the ones who will be judged. Uh, other scriptures that I mentioned, Daniel chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, says that God uh, has a great kingdom and wonders. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 26, there's only one mighty, everlasting God. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Jesus Christ will deliver kingdom, the entire kingdom of the earth, to his Father. God's reward for the Old Testament, Old Testament ta- uh, saints is mentioned here in Daniel chapter 12, 1 through 3, uh, Jacob's trouble, and of course is the last tribulation. Old Testament believers go to heaven. In 1 Corinthians 3, 8, God receives all glory and we are his workers. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, the Lord is our judge. So we know here that God is going to save all the Old Testament believers, the ones who believed in God and live their life based upon a personal relationship of faith in God. God rewards the raptured saints in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 52, at the rapture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, it talks about the rapture. God rewards the tribulation saints. Revelations 21.4, there's no pain, no mourning, no anxiety, no depression, no problems ever, ever again. God condemns unbelievers to the lake of fire. Revelations 20.15, if your name is not in the Lamb's book of life, you will not be going to heaven. That's very, very clear. As we look at some of this information, uh, we know that you can go and look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, and his promise to return and take us to heaven. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18, he talks about the rapture. Christ will meet us in the air. He does not come to the earth for the rapture. We will meet him in the air. And then we'll discuss um, a good bit more on the Messianic kingdom later and also the glory of Israel later. I would mention to you that as all this comes down, Zechariah is a real benchmark of understanding uh, this. So if you look at Zechariah 12.10, it says that there will be great mourning over the fact that most Jews have missed Christ's return in, his, in the new covenant. Zechariah 13.1 talks about the wide cleansing of Jerusalem Jews. Romans eleven twenty five through 27 talks about the partial hardening of the Jews 
until the complete number of the Gentiles are saved. So we know that the tribulation is called Jacob's trouble. It's God primarily dealing with his covenant people, the Jews, but also this is a wind down for all the earth so that all Jews and Gentiles have this last opportunity to come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, remember in, in, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, it talks about the first and the second coming. Only a comma in verse 24 separates the first coming from the second coming. We can talk about that more if you have questions. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 11, the new kingdom after tribulation. And in Matthew 24, verses 15 through 31, it talks about the last three and a half years and the gathering of the elect. Second Thessalonians 2, 4, actually verses 1 through 12, talks about the Antichrist being a man of lawlessness. So we know that the seventh trumpet ushers in the millennial reign uh, or the messianic kingdom here on earth. And we will again talk more about that when we get to chapter 20 or so. The testimony of the two witnesses is important here. And the fact that God has already announced this is what he's going to do. All those who reject Christ will go to the lake of fire. All the fallen angels will go to the lake of fire. Satan will go to the lake of fire. The Antichrist will go to the lake of fire. And all the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints, our Christians, will all go to heaven. Anyway, we will proceed there next time. But we'll talk a little bit more about um, the temple of God, in which it mentions here. Temple of God in heaven, this eternal holy of holies where God dwells in unbelievable glory. This is his throne that John describes. Ark of his covenant is mentioned. This piece of furniture which is described in the Old Testament in Exodus 25, verses 10 through 22, symbolize God's presence, atonement, and covenant with his people. God's presence, atonement, and covenant with his people. That art was only a pale premonition of the true glory and atoning power of God through Jesus Christ. The Holy of Holies in heaven is opened to speak of God's saving new covenant and redeeming purpose even in the midst of judgment, even when many, many people will choose still not to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. God graciously extends his hand to all who would believe talks about the lightnings, the noises, the thunderings, earthquake, and a great hail. So what was anticipated in Revelation 4, chapter, I mean chapter 4, verse 5, and chapter 8, verse 5, will become a terrifying reality. All of these events occur as part of the seventh bold judgment, Revelation 16, verses 17 through 21. The vengeance, destruction, and death will come directly out of the Holy of Holies from God himself. So keep in mind as we... We tie up this chapter 11 in Revelation that God has done everything he can to bring both Jew and Gentile to the realization that Jesus Christ, a personal faith in Jesus Christ, that he was fully man, fully God, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and God's power raised him from the dead. 
accepting that as reality in our heart and believing it in our mind and confessing it with our lips is the only way to heaven. Every other way that man proposes through religions will not work, and God is graciously bringing the world to an end to directly go into the thousand-year feast or the messianic kingdom or the millennial kingdom, whatever you'd like to call it, where Christians will be able to have direct access or the world will have direct access to Jesus Christ who will be king here on earth. And we will continue to discuss those ramifications. Hi, I just wanted to remind you that you can download the app Spotify on Google Store or the Apple Store, depending on which phone you have. Also, that if once you have downloaded Spotify, you can follow this podcast, Apocalypse, The Coming Judgment, and select Notify Me of New Episodes. And it will automatically, depending on how your phone's set up, it will either automatically add the new episodes to your playlist, or it will send you a message also and give you the option to add it. So Spotify is free. It is my favorite way to keep track and listen to all of my podcasts. And I think that you will enjoy it as well.